All right, I also want to mention that if you are a youth student, 6th through 12th grade, we do have youth ministry right now, and so you can make your way out and meet Ross and Javon, um, our youth leaders out there. We'd love to connect with you and just, come on, man, give it up for our youth, you know? They already left. They were actually hanging out in the arcade. They didn't even come in for worship. I'm just kidding. No, it was really good. It was really good. We actually had a student up here playing electric guitar, electric prodigy, if you will, Pastor Edgar. He's, he's legit. He's awesome. Hey, uh, there's a few verses I want to be in this morning. I want to be in Ephesians chapter 5. I want to be in 1 John chapter 4. We may be somewhere else as well. You may have heard that it was promoted that we were going to have a guest speaker this morning. Corey Bendix was going to be with us from Washington, D.C. His son was in the hospital last few days uh, with some swelling, and they finally got it under control, and they went home last night. So praise God for that. Uh, thank you for praying and believing for them. So I decided I'm going to fill in for myself. You know, that's what you have to do. You have to fill in for yourself. So uh, bear with me because I, I really feel like the Lord wants to say something this morning, but I think it could be a little scattered for the, uh, the outline is not quite um, uh, complete as of yet. So we are writing this as we go. Uh, but I, I'm excited. Luminous loves as we talk about what it means to love one another. I, Romans chapter 12, I believe it is. It says that we should love one another. And it says outdo one another in honor and in, in mutual respect. Outdo one another in honor. I love this chapter in Romans 12 because it is a challenge challenge for us as those who are in Christ, Christ followers. And so as Christ followers that we are to love one another, but outdo one another with honor. I was at Merritt Coffee this morning, reading a few verses, getting ready for it this morning, and there was this gentleman who came around the corner as I was sitting down, and he was looking for a seat. Now, prior to this, I go into Merritt Coffee. I like to spend some time with the Lord right before service, try to prepare my heart, rid all the demons that I had from this past weekend, praise God. And I try to get all that out of me, and I try to come in and, and deliver God's word in a way that's reverent, in a way that's in, an impartation for you so that you can be motivated to live out this week the best that you can, the best that God has allowed you to walk. And so what I did is I come in, and there's a guy in my seat. You see, I have a seat. He doesn't know this. I know this. But at 6 a.m., the seat is empty. But it wasn't empty that morning. There was a guy in my seat. So I was already a little frustrated. I go around the corner, and I sit down. And another guy comes around, and apparently I was in his seat, and I didn't know. And he looked at me, and I, I got up. I go, oh, man, I can move. I can move. He's like, no, don't move. Don't move. Just stay there. No, I can move. Have you ever done this? I got the door. No, you got the door. No, I got the door. You ever do it with a parking space? I got the parking space. No, you can have the parking space. And you sit there, and you're constantly accelerating and stopping, and it looks like everybody's indecisive. Have you ever been there? It's because we grew up in a culture where we try to outdo one another with honor, Right? Where we constantly try to outdo each other, where we want to serve each other and we want to be a blessing to each other. Well, this guy and I were doing that and we, we were there. And I was like, man, just take my seat. You see, that's really my seat. I didn't want this seat. I was just here. You can have this seat. I'll move. And so I was trying to redeem the fact that I was bitter at this guy over here. We, we try to outdo one another all the time. And this is what Luminous Loves is all about, that we'd be in a place of outdoing one another with honor and mutual respect. Because when we have that 
attitude and that culture in our lives, in our church, in our friendships, in our marriage, what happens is it elevates somebody higher than your position. Isn't that contradictory to what the world is saying? You see, we're constantly trying to, in the world, we want to lord over other people and we want to position ourselves higher. But in the kingdom, the paradoxical, paradoxical kingdom that we operate in is constantly upside down and backwards. So how you used to think before you knew Christ now that you know him, he's changing your thinking to be contradictory to your life before Christ. And that messes with some people, doesn't it? It messes with you. It's like, no, I used to operate in this way and I liked it. I enjoyed it. And now that I'm a follower of Christ, he's called me to something completely different, altogether different. So us as Christ followers... Those who know him in this room, we are to live differently than those who are not of Christ. And if your life looks similar, those who are not Christ, I'm going to say, do you really know him? Have you been following him? Have you said yes to him and his lordship and yes to him and his kingdom? Because it's calling us to love differently. I was teasing David Ruggles this week, which I often like to do, especially with his new beard, his newfound beard. I didn't know engineers could grow beards, but he has one. And as I was giving him a hard time, we were, we were sharing with each other. And he's like, man, thank you so much. And I was like, it's easy to love those who love you. You see, David is so lovable. He loves me so well. It's easy for me to go out of my way to give him a tile saw. Right? It's easy for me to do that. But doesn't the world do that? It's easy for us to love people who love us, but can we love those who hate us? See, that's different. It's kingdom living differently than other people live. And why are we here this morning? We're here this morning to encourage us in this kingdom walk. Because loving and living a life like that is so worth it. I have no regrets when I'm operating and walking in God's kingdom. None. I don't, I don't wake up with a morning hangover. Amen. I don't do that. I, I constantly pursue him. Ephesians 5 talks about love as well. And I like this, and I want to use this. It says in verse 28, it says, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. There's three different concepts that we read in this scripture. The first one is that we should love ourselves. The concept of loving our very self. How many of you ate this morning? How many of you slept last night? How many of you combed your hair and brushed your teeth? Praise the Lord. 
See, we actually love ourselves. We, we love ourselves and, and we move in a place of loving ourselves. And Paul is saying this in Ephesians 5. We love ourselves. He also says the concept of loving your wife as your own body. Loving your wife as your own body. If you love yourself, feed yourself, take care of yourself, then love your wife as though you take care of yourself. Love her and have that mutual respect for her and make sure you go out of your way for her to pursue her and to love her. And then there's this concept of loving his church, the body. In Ephesians 5, his church, the body. That if we to love his church, the body, there is wholeness and completeness. In these three concepts, loving yourself, loving your wife, loving the church, there is this understanding of unity, coming in unity with what God has purpose and designed. You see, to love yourself is to love God's very creation. To love yourself is saying that I am a temple of God and you paid the price for me and I will take care of this very thing that you have given me here on earth. I'm going to do that. I'm going to take care of it. Loving your wife is also one of unity because when you marry, you become one flesh. That one flesh signifies unity. And so loving your wife is actually exemplifying that unity and the unity of Christ that he has put there. And he's made this one flesh together so that you could be in this way of honoring God and then loving his church as Christ loves his church, as Christ loves the church. Marriage is a reflection, but us in this body, in this local church, us loving this, there's unity as well. There's unity. And the thing that the world wants to do is they want to keep us out of step of this love concept. You see, I've been talking to a lot of people, and there's some contradictions. A lot of people aren't loving themselves lately. A lot of people are struggling with mental health, suicidal thoughts. They are, they are definitely not appreciating what God has given them, and there is this self-hatred, which goes against what God has designed. And it creates this disunity within yourself. Or insecurity. And we walk around as insecure individuals where we're loving ourselves one day but hating ourselves the next minute. It's not God's design. And then there's these marriages that are constantly in these adulterous relationships. And maybe you aren't married, but you have this friendship, this covenant brother or covenant sister, and you're constantly treating them as less instead as honorable and so there's division against the unity and then we look at his church where we look at his body and we look around and there has been fighting and turmoil and division and severing what is supposed to be loved see where love is there's unity great unity and it was what god has called us to do he's called us to love these ways so that we could be his very character, his very essence, and what he wants us to be. But those things just seem unreliable lately. 
Our, our friendships seem unreliable. Myself seems unreliable. My church seems unreliable. How many of us do not like unreliable things? We like to rely on people. We like to rely on substance. Many of us love to rely on energy and electricity. And in February of this year, if you lived in San Antonio, how many know it was not very reliable? Right? Vicky and Rock know their whole apartment flooded from the big freeze. Ironically, there's a company called Reliant Energy. Here they are, supposed to be reliable. Here they are, we're supposed to count on it. When I plug something into the outlet, it's supposed to work. When there's a winter storm, I'm supposed to have heat. I'm supposed to have lights. But when things are unreliable in your life, what happens? Chaos. Chaos. But love is reliable. Love is something that we can rely on. In 1 John chapter 4, let's read about the love that we can rely on. Verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. That in this moment, we rely, we rely on God and what he has done. We rely on this love, and this love is reliable. It's what we live in. It's what we're called to live in. And the concept of loving yourself and the concept of loving your spouse or the concept of loving your friendships and the concept of loving your church and his church, the concept of that is under attack. But the way that it happens and the way that we can truly love those is by knowing God's love for us. You see, when we were separated from God, there was a divide and there was a chasm that separated from us, from relationship, from intimacy with him, from knowing him. We were separated from love and left for dead. But as a result what we read about is God so loved us, John 3, 16, that he sent his one and only son to die for us, that he would be the atonement, meaning the sacrifice, the blood that would be spilt for us so that we could have this love that he has given us, so that we could abide in him and he and us. This is what he has done. And if we acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And when we acknowledge this atonement, when we receive 
this forgiveness, love abides. So you have this concept of being together in unity, being together in unity with God holy, with covenant that we read about in Genesis where we were made. And then when there was a betrayal, they moved to a separation. And when we were separated, we started walking our own way, started going our own way, and no longer did we have anything that was reliable. We were, we were away from that, but God in his mercy gave his son Jesus so that we could understand this love and be in this love and be in his grace. And this is great news that we could be together completely in him. The thing that I see oftentimes is there, a, there is an offense. An offense will sever unity. When we get offended, there's something severing our unity. You're offended by your spouse. You're offended by your friendship. And sometimes it's unknowing, right? Like you don't even know they did it. And that offense moves us into bitterness and unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is what begins to transpire and begins to move us into more disunity. That no longer are we trying to outdo each other in honor. No longer are we trying to outdo each other in that. But now there is this great divide from this offense. Creating this disunity. And it starts moving in our very essence. And it's why love can't be really grasped until you've been forgiven. And until you forgive others, it's one Christ in his atonement. He forgave us. Now we can have this love relationship. Now we can move in this love relationship that he is so designed for us. But we love to hold on to unforgiveness because it allows us to tangibly hold on to a thought that we can replay. And we think if we replay it, it will make us feel much better. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and through 35, you know this story. I'll sum it up for us, but basically there's a servant. And the servant owes a huge debt. You remember this story. He owes a huge debt, one that he couldn't pay. And he thought about, man, the only way that I could pay this debt is if I sell my wife and sell my kids and sell everything that I cherish and love. And he goes to the master and says, I can't pay this debt. And what does the master do? The master says, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. And in this moment, that was this moment of love that created unity between him and the master because there was this division of this debt of something that he owed. But because of this forgiveness, now there's this unity that happens. See, that's what unforgiveness does. It's putting a debt on somebody that they owe you something. But forgiveness releases you of that debt. It releases of you of, of what you owe them and what they owe you or you think they do. And the master was saying, no, you are, you are forgiven. And the servant goes and then he sees somebody that owes him a debt. And what does he do? He goes to that person. He says, you owe me a debt. 
And he starts strangling him and choking him and saying, pay me my debt. And he doesn't extend the same forgiveness to that person. He's a hypocrite. He's not operating in that love. And what we see here is we see this moment of when Jesus came and he gave his life for you and me. He gave a forgiveness. When we owed a debt that we couldn't pay, he said, I've forgiven it. I've forgiven your debt. Therefore, go and do likewise. Go and do this. But all those who are not in Christ are constantly running around. You owe me something. You owe me this. You owe me that. Hey, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get this. But those who understand this great love and this debt that's forgiven operates just like him, like Jesus, where we're extending forgiveness and love to those who may not even deserve it. We're extending this love and this grace to them. Unforgiveness says, you owe me. Love says, your debt has been paid. Unforgiveness says, if I don't get even, I'll never get ahead. Love says, you have already arrived. Unforgiveness says, pacify your offense with obsessive thoughts. Love says, your wounds are healed and your mind is renewed. This is what love does. It it operates differently, and this is how God called us to live, church, in a way that loves one another, extending forgiveness to one another. I know when we come into a room like this and we talk about unforgiveness and we talk about moments like this, what happens is we, we often already think of names, already think of people. We sometimes think of circumstances, and sometimes it's an organization. Sometimes it is something associated larger than just an individual. Maybe it's something larger that's ruling. The Bible would say that there are, there are lands and there are strongholds ruled by principalities and authorities. These principalities and authorities will put a hold on your life and move you into a place from being free and knowing God's freedom and his perfect love. So you may know that. Maybe it's a strong organization. Maybe it's an individual. Maybe it's an old employer. Maybe it is a colleague or a friend. Maybe it is a spouse or an ex-spouse. But what happens is there comes a moment that goes against God's very concept of love where we should love ourselves and we should love our spouse and we should love his church. Church, do you love yourself? And maybe just reflect in a mirror right now in your mind and look at yourself. Do you love the person you see in front of you? Do you love that person? Do you love your spouse or your covenant relationships, your brothers, your sisters? Do you love them? Do you love his church? Do you love his church? And if there's this moment where you're like, man, I don't love myself. I don't love my spouse. I don't love his church. 
I still owe something to myself. I'm still trying to get something mysteriously figured out within my own soul and not fully complete in myself. I'm still trying to get something from my spouse, an apology from an abuse, from a lie. Still trying to get what I'm owed. Still mad at the church. They hurt me. They really moved and they really broke in. They betrayed me. They owe me. If you have an O, an I-O-U on your list, there needs to be forgiveness. You need to be released of that. Because it's hindering your very purpose and why you were made and created is to love. And if you're operating in this, you haven't really received God's forgiveness. The servant that owed the master something was forgiven. But then he walked away out of fear that he wouldn't be able to provide for his kids. He walked away out of fear that maybe he was not enough. He operated in this fear, in this world of fear where love does not exist, saying, I need to get mine. And he saw somebody said, hey, you owe me. You owe me. And a man like that never received the full forgiveness of the debt in which the master extended towards him. Because if he truly understood that I was forgiven, he truly would have understood that I am free. That I am free. I don't have to go collecting any more debts. I don't have to go collecting any more IOUs. I don't have to go collecting from people. They don't owe me anymore. It's okay because you see my debt is forgiven. I owe no one. I owe no one. And when you owe no one, you truly operate like a free person. When you owe no one, you're truly forgiven. You operate in a freedom that, that only those who are in Christ can truly experience. I've been forgiven of every thought, of every sin, of everything past, present, and future. I've been forgiven completely. Therefore, I can freely give. I can freely love. I can freely give out of my soul. And I don't have to demand all these things. And it frees you. And it frees your marriage. And it frees your career. And it frees the church. And all of a sudden the church starts walking in the kingdom. And what he's called us to walk in. All of a sudden when people come in hopeless, we have hope. All of a sudden, when people come in with the debt, we say, you're loved. He's forgiven you. There's more opportunities. There's another chance. There's another chance. There's always another chance with God. Isn't that freedom? There's always another chance. There's always another opportunity. The word would say, the Bible would say, his mercies are new every morning. That when you wake up. The sun sets down on all the things that happen wrong in your life. But when the sun rises, there it is, a new opportunity, a new day, a new gift for you, for us. That newness lets us walk in freedom, in freedom. 
Luminous loves when luminous is free. Luminous is free because of what Christ did for us. If you would, all of you have a communion cup. I'd love for you to pull this out with me. And the reason I want to take the Lord's Supper today, I think it's important every time we gather together that we remember what Christ has done for us. But today, I, I'm just really asking the freedom of Christ would permeate your very essence. That those who have self-hatred and are thinking about taking their last breath, for those who have been walking with their head down and so insecure because they don't know that they are loved, that Christ would remind us on the day that he took the last supper with his disciples before he went on his mission to be the atonement on the cross. He said, I'm going to set up something for you because I want you to remember this. I want, to I want you to remember what's going down tonight. I want you to remember what's going down the next three days. I'm going down, but in three days, I'm coming up. In three days, I'm going to rise again. I'm going on a cross, and I'm going to spill my blood for the forgiveness of sins. And so every time you remember that, you remember that you are cleansed by the blood, that you are cleansed by his, this perfect sacrifice. And in Matthew 26, he tells his disciples at this, as they were eating, Jesus, he took bread. He took bread from the table. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. And if you're at church this morning, you're grabbing this wafer from your cup. This is a, the bread that represents Christ's body. Christ's body. Broken for us. Lord, bless this. Thank you for your body. Thank you that it was broken for me. It was broken for your church. Bless it right now. You may eat of the bread. He then took out a drink. He took out a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's bless this cup. Jesus, I thank you that you're very present. And as we drink of this cup, you in the kingdom are drinking it as well. God, this is the blood that was shed, the atonement that allows us to love. Your death on the cross, your blood shed for us is the act of love saying you're forgiven the debt has been paid I love you oh how I love you this blood represents love
Bless this cup. Thank you. In Jesus' name, you may drink of the cup. jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I'm unaware of the afflictions eclipsed by glory. Just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves us all. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us all. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me yeah he loves us oh how he loves us oh how he loves us oh how he Yeah, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. So fears our portion and fears our prize and drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes if his grace is an ocean we're all sinking and if heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss and my heart turns so violently inside of my chest I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves us. Oh, how he 
our time. Church, he loves you. 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 He died for you. He paid the price for you. He had you on his mind when he went to the cross. Can we give God a big hand this morning? Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Well, before you leave today, I want to make you aware of a couple of things. First off, we have prayer workers right by these light poles as you dismiss. And you can go get prayer this morning for anything. Whatever God's doing in your life, I pray that you are touched and you are loved. I also want to let you know that you can connect with us by texting the word luminous to 94,000 on your phones. And I know you got a phone because I saw you using them. Text the word luminous to 94,000 in there that you can sign up for our Boysville outreach this Saturday from 12 to 4, where we're going to love on some foster care kids and children this Saturday as our Luminous Loves outreach. It's also a way that you can give this morning, and I'm so grateful for your tithes and offerings and what you give to God. I pray that it's used to advance his kingdom. And I, it's also a way that you can fill out a connect card, let us know that you made it today. And we would love to know that you are here so that we can say thank you. We love you, church. Be dismissed. We'll see you next Sunday.